It happens what they find when they get back to Tziklag on the third day. And what happened in the meantime? Vamaleki, Pashto, and the Negev, Vel Tziklag. Vamaleki spread out through the Negev and they came to Tziklag. Vayaku, as Tziklag, Vayishpasabesh. They attacked Tziklag and they burnt it in a fire. They burnt down the city. Vayishpo, as Anoshim, Vashaba, Vikotan, and Vagadol. They captured all the women which are there, from the youngest to the oldest. They didn't kill anybody. And they lead them all to captivity. They took them all hostage. The women and the children. Yeah. So now what was, the, what was going on over here? Uh, why did this happen to David? So the first point... It was we, their wives? Their wives and their children. Now as the men all went to join the campaign with Achish, until Achish sent them home, and in the meantime they left the place undefended. Wow. And as a result of that, the Amaleki was spread out, found this place, and they attacked the city, burnt it down, and captured everybody, took them hostage. Now, there's a, so firstly, uh, what, what are the, we'll just, let's talk about a few different aspects of what happened over here. The first point is, um, so it wasn't for nothing. This was revenge. As we know, the month that David was in Siklag, he kept conducting raids against Amalekim. And he kept capturing cities of Amalekim. So the fact that Amalekim wanted to take revenge is understandable. So this was the opportunity to fight back. In other words, normally when David and his soldiers were there, so they weren't able to fight against them. But now that they had noticed that all the men had marched off to battle, they thought this leaves the open country. So Amalekim used the opportunity, so to speak, to take revenge. The Mashmaos is that they didn't know exactly where David's people were. They knew that they'd been attacked repeatedly by David, wherever he was, but they didn't know where he was coming from, and so they went to look for him. So therefore they first were partially by Negev, they were spread around the Negev, eventually they came to Tziklag, and that's when they found him. So it was like there wasn't, it seems that there was a, there were, the, the, the intention was a reprisal attack. But now the big question that is, is why they killed the people? What was the point of taking everybody hostage? What were they thinking they were going to do? Why? Because when David attacked Amaleki, like we saw, he didn't, he didn't need survivors. He killed everyone. So if Amaleki were taking revenge, so why didn't they do the same? Why didn't they do the same? That would have been the, the more, so to speak, uh, fit, like, like equal, so to speak, proportionate <laughs> response. Thank you. Proportionate response for what that happened to them. So, and the lawyer points out they didn't kill anybody. They didn't kill a single person. They captured the entire population and took them all into captivity. Now, the other question to ask is the master said, Alpi Dechatevah, we understand. David attacked him, they attacked him. But Alpi Atayra, why did Hashem want this for? Why did this have to happen to David that when he comes back to Tziknag, he finds that the city has been ransacked and all the people have been taken in captive? So, we'll see what happens, and we'll see how David responds. So what happens? David and his people come home, and their wives and their children are all taken captive. Now, as they could see, there was no, no one was there, so there wasn't anyone being killed. And the city is desolate, the place is burnt, so they realize everyone's been taken into captivity. So, so all the people, they cry, 
Until there's no more Kayach to cry. In other words, uh, there was not, normally a person cries until there's somebody to comfort them, but there was no one to comfort them. They're all in the same position. They all suffered the loss of the entire family, or the capture of the entire families. So they stopped crying when they weren't able to cry anymore. And it wasn't just other people. David's wives also got captured. So... Uh, that, that was the situation. And now we see interesting reactions that people had. Well, you just strange names for wives. Uh, right, so that, even though she had, Novel had died and she had married David. Oh, okay. Right, so she was, her first husband was Novel Akamri. But they'd say that David died. David was in, like, very scared. Yes, why? Because he was in because they wanted the people wanted to turn against him. Why? Everyone was very embittered against him. So each person for his children who got captured. And David had to respond to them. So David turned to Hashem to support, to give him strength. Now, why were the people wanting to stone David? So there's two options. The one is that's the nature of people. And if something goes wrong, you blame the leader. It's his fault. So even though David wasn't there, just like they weren't there, and therefore David wasn't ready to blame, but you know, he, you know. okay, so he's, he's the It happened when he was there. He was in charge, they turned him against him. The other option is that they really did have a claim against David. Why did you, why did you march El Mayor out of town? Why did you leave God behind? Why you go to fight Israel? Sorry? Well, when you went to fight with Achish, he took all your soldiers with him. Why did you want to protect people? You should have left a... You need the open, a place open with no one to support it, to protect it. That's what's going to happen. And because of that, there was there was an actual time against David that like, he had done the wrong thing. Why didn't David do that? Obviously, David didn't think for a second that there was he had to protect everybody. He didn't think that they were at risk. Now, David relies on Hashem. And there's a point here which obviously David is on no one else to turn to, and David does have him in Hashem. But there's a, and we say that there's like a silver lining. Now, there's a certain point of hope, even in the des- even in the desolation that we witnessed, and that was this point we mentioned before. Nobody was killed because had they come back and found the the whole sand strewn with the corpses of all the people there, there would have been the end, and there's nothing to do. But here, that the fact that they didn't kill anybody means there's still the possibility they can come we can get them back again, mm-hmm. even if they burnt the city. But the master, if they're taken captive, the captives are still alive. And therefore, David relies on Hashem that it's not, it's not terrible. Things can still change. There's a difference between the level of the Bitochen of David and the level of the Bitochen of his people. As they saw the carnage, they saw the destruction of the town, they saw that everyone was taken hostage, and now they were invited to the stage they wanted to kill him. Whereas David may have saw the same situation, but he said, no, if, still, if no one's being killed, there's still hope. Mm-hmm. And because of that, Hashem, David strengthened himself in Hashem. That it's not final. Things can still change. You know, there's a passage to hit him, which the Amr Farshim who related this incident. When the passage says, Kaven Hashem, Chazak v'yamitzli becha v'kaven Hashem. A person can hope for Hashem to, to help him. And then even if things look bad, but Chazak, v'yamitzli becha, mechazak yourself more and run Hashem again because the there's still, there's still uh, a possibility of things changing around. There's still a possibility of saving the situation. And therefore, what it needs a person to do is to himself to rely on Hashem.
Now, if a person's in a state that there's nothing more to do, so then, so then there's nothing more to do. But as long as there's still a possibility, so the person's not sure Late, many, many, many years later, Chizkiyah Melech is lying in bed and he's in his deathbed. And the Nabi tells him, you're going to die. And Chizkiyah said, why am I going to die? So the Nabi said, you never fulfilled the mitzvah of marrying and having children. And that's why Hashem decided to kill you. So Chizkiyah says to me, if that's the case, I'm happy to get married. If I'm married give me a daughter, I'll marry her. So the Navi tells him, I just came to tell you that you're going to die. Now's not the time to organize a wedding. So Cheskiah responds to the Navi, he's talking to the Navi. And he says in Ben Amoyt, If you finish telling me, you're going to get out of here. Why? Because I don't, you, know, you have no right to tell me that I can't try and re- remedy the situation. Because I have a tradition from my great-grandfather, from David Amalek, and that is, Even if the sword is in the person's neck, you don't give up help. Where do you say about David's life? Where would you get that Messiah from? So it seems like from here. There was a situation where it looked very bad. And uh, the city is burnt and everyone's families disappeared into captivity. And Ali Sayyash bin David didn't give up. I can get, if they're still alive, I can get them back. And Khazgar feels the same way. Right now I'm still alive. So that's the case. If I'm still alive, I can still change things. I can still remedy the situation. So that's why he's he's willing to try and change. As you see by David as well. As opposed to his people, who, who they they are very bitter. They, so to speak, being changed by the trauma that they what they've seen, and it turns them against David. David didn't change. David remains steadfast in his emunah, and that is he's willing to he's he's relying on Hashem. To, there's still possibility for Hashem to change things. Okay, so that's, uh, that's what happens when David comes back to the same time. Now, why did this happen to David? In other words, Hashem sets things up, why did he organize, why did he like, engineer things that this tragedy would happen to David? That even that uh, his, the whole city would be sacked and everyone would be taken captive. So there's two possible answers given. The one is, I'm just jumping ahead in the story just to fill some information. What's going to happen is David's now going to go and chase and like, look to find the captives and take some time to go and look for them. And as a result of that, while the battle between uh, the Jewish people and the Pishtim is raging, David's actually out of commission. He's on his own mission to go and chase the Amalekim and try to bring back the captives. So that was the chesed from Hashem. Because like we saw, David was in a quandary. He didn't know what to do. He we went to fight with the Pishtim, or not fight with the Pishtim, fight against the Pishtim. So he went to the army to try and show that he was being loyal. They chased him out. They chased him out. So they went back home. So as far as the Pishtim are concerned, they could have no complaints against him because they kicked him, they kicked him out before. They went to send him home. But Klaishal could have a complaint. Why don't you come help us? You have an army, you have 600 soldiers, you're a, tra- a trained general, so why, didn't, why did you abandon us? Why didn't you come and fight for us? And the answer to that would be, David is not to fight. So Hashem, so to speak, organizes things that David's going to get distracted chasing a monarch because he's not in the picture. Mm-hmm. He wasn't available to fight. Now, to be understood, he had to, to try and free his children. That would be the one point. There's another point here also. And that is that there's a dinner when, when the tzibur is bizarre, a person's going to feel tzibur too. Even if they aren't being affected by it, even if they're safe. But the man is suffering, a person to feel that suffering also. 
And therefore, on the, the, the safest Jews paradoxically now was David and his people in Siklag, because everyone else was facing the war of the Plishtim. They were safely, so to speak, sheltered in Plishti territory. Mm-hmm. So, but a person is not meant to feel, no, I'm, I'm okay, I'm at ease, I'm relaxed, no other Jews are suffering. And therefore, Hashem made this whole thing happen. The David would also feel battle and feel fear and feel the, what it's like to be attacked, so to speak. At the same time, the rest of the Jewish people were facing some of that. Except here, it wasn't a punishment for David. Here, it was just that he should be able to feel the same way. And that's how we see that there's no lasting tragedy. Sure. Nobody got killed, and at the end of the day, we're going to see they all come back again. Yeah. Um, I've got a yeah. Last question. We just had a rule. And that is when Kleishnel are suffering, you don't mean to celebrate. You don't mean to even feel at ease. Like, the Rambam writes that when the, the Tzibur is with a person is meant to feel Tzara too. And we see the same thing here by David and So that's the case. So then we see in the story of Purim, what happened is everyone goes to fire on the 13th. Uh, all over the Medina Sachashverish, all the countries of Sachashverish, and they kill 75,000 Amorekim in all all the provinces of Sachashverish, and well, the battle's over. And they make the, the 14th day of celebration. Esther goes to the king, and Esther asks the king that he should give the next day, which means the 14th in Shushan, to continue what they are doing that day, and, uh, and Sachashverish agrees. Mm-hmm. So the Jews of Shushan carried on the fight on the 14th as well, and then he celebrated on the 15th. Mm-hmm. Now, Rebus is asking, and it's a very appropriate question, based on what we just learned, how could the Jews celebrate on all the provinces of the king when the Jews of Shushan were still at war? Why would they have to feel some kind of uh, connection or some kind of uh, brotherhood with the Jews of Shushan and wait to celebrate until the war's finished everywhere? And how could uh, there were Jews on the battlefield, the Jews who were, who were in danger while they were busy celebrating? How could they be? And the answer is that the second day of the war, there wasn't a real danger. The answer was they already won the war. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a clean-up operation. They wanted to carry on killing the Malaykim, which they had already conquered. Yeah. And that's what he tells them. I want to continue interesting to continue what you did today and to kill the ten sons of Hamas. And therefore, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a war which was a threat to the Jewish people. On the contrary, they'd won the war. It was just that you want, to, you, want, you want to continue destroying the terrorists. You want to continue uh, killing the Amalekim who left, where they had concentrated in Shushan, so it was an opportunity to finish the job. But it wasn't that they were worried that the Jews of Shushan uh, were at risk. And American didn't tell them to stop. Right. So Hashem let them carry on, so they wouldn't have to stop. That's what it is, just like that. And they made it. It was, it was a part of the simcha. Part of the simcha was that they were able to finish the job. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a threat, so to speak, that the Jews of... Let me see that. And we know we fast on Tainus Esther because on the 13th everybody fasted. We don't see the Jews of Shushan fasted on the 14th. There wasn't a threat anymore. They had won the war. It was just a matter of destroying the remainders of Haman's people and that they were happy to do. Okay, so going back to our story here, so we see David, uh, David and his army had to suffer having everybody taken captive. Either it was for them, it was a, so to speak, a way to get out of the problem of what to do about supporting the Jewish people in the war against the Jewish and at the same time, it was a way where they would be able to identify with and feel what the Jewish people were feeling because they themselves were subject of an attack. Now, so what does David do? So David tells Yasser, the son of Achimelech, the coin who had joined him and who had taken the question with him. So he said, I guess you're not here, bring the effort, which means he wants to ask a question of the Rebbe Tumim. 
Vishal David Hashem Naima. David asked Hashem, and when he asked, is Erdaf Achare Hagdud Azeh? I'm going to run after this, this, this group of, this band of soldiers. Ha'as again, when I reach them. And Hashem answered him, Rudolf, chase them, ki hasag tasig, you'll reach them, hasag tatsil, and you'll save as well. Now, there's rules of asking questions in the Rebbe And the question that David asked, and the question and the answer he was given, doesn't seem to fit the rules. And the Gemara already points this out. The, normally the Gemara says, was not allowed to ask more than one thing at a time. Now, as you can't present the Rebbe with a list of questions. Why? Because the answer is going to be shown on the stars. So you have one answer at a time. You get the answer you want, but you have a whole list, you don't know what to be answered. So therefore, the, the rule was normally the Urmitsumim was that the person can ask one question, and the Urmitsumim would answer one answer. And over here, it seems like David's asking two things. He's asking, should I chase after this army? Will I reach them? And, uh, and Hashem answered him even more than he, when he asked for. Hashem answered him, chase them, because you'll reach him and you'll save the people. So, that's not the normal way the Urmitsumim works. In other words, normally the Urmitsumim was, there's a question asked, the Urmitsumim answers. The Urmitsumim doesn't normally answer more than was asked. So what's going on over here? So firstly, there was a, there's a discussion between the Mephoshim, what David meant to ask Michal. What was his question? What's his question? Should I chase them? And will I reach them? Is that really one question or the two questions? In other words, the David felt that if I'm not going to reach them, there's no point chasing them. And therefore David was saying, is, will I reach him? Is it worth my while chasing him? Because will I reach him? Which means it's only one question. And then Hashem's answer was, yes, you will reach him. So that's one answer. Or was David's question something else? David's question was two things. Number one, should I chase him? Number two, will I reach him? Why? Because maybe there's a benefit to chasing them, even if I don't reach them. And what would the benefit be of chasing them if I don't reach them? The answer is, it would save David. If David thinks he's being threatened, that maybe the people will turn against him, so if I can direct the energies to try and chase the enemy, not me, so at least I don't protect David. So that's in my first the question was, um, is the way that I need, what I need to do to save myself, to direct everybody to like, now chase after the Amalekim, because that's going to direct them on a different enemy, not me, even if they may still never find them. And then the second question would be, will I reach them? And then if that's the case, then we find an exception over here. And that is, that is Hashem answers two things at the same time. Hashem says chase them because you will reach them. Where I saw a third way to explain it, and the is the most accurate notion of the Pasuk, is David didn't ask, should I chase them? David told Hashem, I'm going to chase them. My question is, how's again, will I reach them? In other words, David felt that he had to, it was Mechuyev to, to try, and, try and save everybody. So he said, David, I'm not asking Hashem, should I chase them or not? I'm obligated to do that. What I want to know is, am I going to be successful? And there was only one question, how's again, am I going to reach them? And Hashem agrees with him on the first point. Hashem says, chase them, you're to do that. Because it's trying to save people from captivity. But Hashem adds, you should know, you'll reach them and an extra point. Now, it's not just a question of will I find them, will I reach them, I don't know where they've gone. But also, you'll be successful in saving the people as well. What was the point of the question? Like, if he says, I'm going to chase them. So you're going to chase them. Chase them. Will I catch them? Like, either you catch them or you don't catch them. What's he trying to find out? What did David want to know? So, so, uh, on the, so we said three options. On the first option, which was David was asking the question, was, should I chase them? So the answer is yes, it will work. In other words, David had no reason to chase them if it wasn't going to work. 
So right. don't ask Hashem, try Hashem. Then the second question is, is redundant. But then the question is, it's all one question. In other words, <laughs> should I chase them because will I catch them? Because I'll catch them, or is no, I won't catch them because there's no point chasing them. Right. So we all one question. If we said it the second way, David said that I'm going to have to, I'm going to, uh, should I, no, is, is what I need to do in order to protect myself, to start a campaign against the Amalek. Uh-huh. Right? So that will focus people's energies and looking for Amalek and not fight them with me. So the first one is that what I should do. You know, so in fact, even if we never find them, it's still worthwhile because at least it's, it's time to speak, deflect the criticism from me onto the enemy. And so that's the first thing. Should, is that a valid reason to go chase the enemy? And the second question he asked was, will we be successful? Ask again. The third way we explained this, and David said, I have to chase them. So what was he asking Hashem? Ask again. What was, the, what was the question? So he had the question of something else. Because, like we said before, David took confidence and David felt strength in the fact that no one's being killed. So that's, I guess, all still alive. So, what David was, so we made it. If they're alive and they're captives, and we were missed to trace them. We were missed to try and save them. And that's the case. David's question was not, uh, do I have to chase them? I don't think you have to chase them. It's pretty interesting. We have to try and save the captives. David's question was, uh, would I be successful in saving them or not? But why, why is he asking that? Why is that the question? Whether you'll be successful or not. Do you have to go and try? Right, he's going to try. He wasn't that in the, on the base and this of uh, this of chat. David wasn't wondering should he go or shouldn't he go. He wanted the confidence of a novi telling him what's going to happen. He wanted that extra confidence. Right, he wanted to know what's going to and that's why mm-hmm. if that's what he wanted, Sashin so didn't answer extra. Hashem said you'll reach them and you'll save, which means that he wanted it up. Well the, the mission will be successful. Okay, so therefore, um, David and his people set off in pursuit of the Prishtim. Adam Alakim. He took everyone with him. They come to a place called Nachal Absar. Um, there were those who were too tired, too worn out to continue the chase. So David splits his ranks. He leaves the people who are unable to continue fighting by Nachal Absar. And whoever is still fit and ready to continue, he takes them with him. So David minimizes his force. He had originally 600 people. But now he leaves turned behind and he has 400 remaining. By year of David, who by Abraham is Ish, him with 400 people, by Yand and Masayim Ish, Asher Pikru by Abraham and Nachal Bussar. And the other 200 people who weren't able to continue, they stayed behind, uh, but waited by the crossing of Nachal Bussar. So David left with 400 men, and those are the ones who go and attack um, the Amalekim. And it's actually a very significant number. Because like we're going to see, it was uh, connected when Esau came to fight with Yaakov, he came with 400 men. And now when David is coming to take revenge on Amalek, he comes also with 400 men. But they didn't know where, didn't know where Amalek were. So they, they set off in pursuit, they don't have really any leads. So what happens? They found an Egyptian in the field. Um, we're going to see from the continuation of the story, they find him, he's fainted in the field. What happened? They call David. They give him his basically half starved, so they give him bread, they give him water. They give him a slice of a pressed date pie, and grapes. He eats and it helps give him strength. His, so to speak, his, his strength returns to him. Because the Smitri hadn't eaten. For three days and three nights. What happened to him? So we're going to see in the continuation of the story. 
what happened was that he was he had been a slave to the Amalekim, and when he wasn't able to give up with him, he got sick, so they just abandoned him in the desert, and he was basically came out died from hunger and thirst. And uh, obviously, from David's point of view, it was a chesed to revive him and, and give him what he needed. But uh, he's going to play a key role, if you're going to see, of directing David to where the Amalek are. And so that's the uh, continuation of the story. We'll see you Hashem next time. And that is that we see that it wasn't that Hashem intended David to be punished. Uh, Hashem organized, told him, you're going to be successful in the battle. Hashem organized how he's going to find, um, he's going to find the person who will show him where to go. And Hashem is making sure to keep everybody alive so David will be able to bring them back again. Which means what we meant to understand is that this battle was only meant for the point of David going to battle, whereas it's going to be successful. It's not like it's not going to be a punishment that David always been going to lose out from.